You may not know this, but I was thinking as I was preparing to, to preach here at chapel, my first year in 2008-2009, chapel was held in Fellowship Hall B. How many knew that? Not too many of the students. So my first year, can you imagine that being chapel every single day? And uh, I can't remember how, if we had to open the room, the walls for lunch or not, but um, that was just an interesting thing, thinking back to my days here in college. And I do remember specifically, though, Dr. Jim always emphasizing that the people that sat on this front row were the trouble students, and that's the reason why they were sitting on the front row. So it's no shock to me that Taylor and, and David are up here on the front row. <laughs> What is surprising to me, though, is that Eli's not over here on the other side. <laughs> but second semester's coming, so. I've just been asking the Lord to help me to be a blessing to you all here today, wherever you're at on your journey and the walk with the Lord, just to be an encouragement and uh, be a blessing to you. And I trust that the Lord will use our time in the Word of God. You can take your Bibles and turn to the book of Joshua. There will always be a battle for the truth. There is always a battle. Every generation, your generation, I can say our generation, I think we're close enough where we're in the same generation. We are going to have to face battles. And we are going to have to fight for the truth in our battle. Now every generation, the, the focus of what truth has to be battled for might be a little bit different, but we're going to have to fight for the truth. We're going to have to battle for it. And, uh, you know, the generation that you are in and that we're in together, there's a lot of battles that we're going to have to fight, that truth that we're going to have to fight for. And uh, as I was thinking about this, just one example that came to mind to help illustrate what I'm, I'm trying to say here, in the late 1700s, that generation and many of the Christians there had abandoned the command to reach the world with the gospel. They had become apathetic and indifferent to the truth. In 1792, William Carey wrote a pamphlet chastising fellow Christians for abandoning the work of global evangelism. He based his argument on the clear command Jesus gave to his disciples, Go and make disciples of all nations. William Carey's passion for Jesus Christ's Great Commission led to the formation of the Baptist Mission Society and a whole new age of gospel advance. He is called the father of modern missions. You know, William Carey was a man who saw a great need. He saw that the truth had fallen. He saw the need. He realized it and did something about it. He didn't just cater and, well, none of the other leaders are doing anything about it. So I'm just going to cater to that. No, he did something about it. And those moments, those times when truth has fallen, calls for spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders who will rise up, who will proclaim the truth and not back down, who will be committed to the truth. The reality is, every one of us today... Every one of us has been impacted by this one man's 
testimony, his leadership, William Carey, the cause for evangelism, getting the gospel out. We've all been impacted and our burden for that. You know, I give this example of William Carey to illustrate a point. You know, he saw the need and he did something about it. In his generation, the truth that had fallen was that gospel getting forth to the ends of the world. And he did something about it. Being a spiritual leader is not only someone everyone knows about because of some great accomplishment. The reality is every one of us can and needs to be a spiritual leader every day. In the sphere of influence that God has given us, the influence, the sphere of influence God has placed you in, He wants you to be a spiritual leader. Those around you need you to be a spiritual leader. Whether it's that dorm setting, your class, your family, some setting in the church. But even beyond that, your generation that God has placed you in needs you to be a spiritual leader. I'd like to just challenge you this morning on this subject of spiritual leadership. And we're going to look from the example of, and life of Joshua. Of course, we don't have time to go real in-depth, but I'm sure many of you are pretty familiar with his life. And I want to just look at some key components from Joshua's life. And his example that I think we can glean today and, and apply to our life. And if we're going to be spiritual leaders, then these same truths need to be a part of our life. And they can be an encouragement for us in the generation we're in to be spiritual leaders for the Lord. So spiritual leadership from the life of Joshua. You know, think about the impact of one man, Joshua. God used this one man in a remarkable way. You know, he was, uh, there was a reason God used him. He was one of those good spies, if you remember, that believed God. He was one that served and was willing to serve alongside Moses. God used him in a remarkable way to lead Israel into the land that God had promised. God needed a leader. And Joshua rose to the challenge and carried out that plan that God had for his life. Think about it. The whole book is devoted to one man and his leadership and, and how God used him. So from the life of Joshua, I want to see five characteristics of a spiritual leader that must be a part of your life if you are going to be a spiritual leader and if you are going to impact this generation for the Lord. Might not have time to go into real depth on all these points, but there's a few of them that I'm definitely going to highlight and, and try to, to make some real uh, applications and truths, drive home some truths here today. A spiritual leader, first of all, influences others to follow and obey God. A spiritual leader influences others to follow and obey God. If you're there in Joshua chapter 1, and this is right at the outset, as God is, Moses is transitioning off the scene, and now Joshua is coming on to the scene, and God is laying out his burden and what God wants for Joshua to do and what his plan is, and he's encouraging Joshua. And in verse 13, now Joshua is speaking to the other leaders and the other people of Israel. And he's transferring that burden that God gave to him, that plan that God had showed to him. And now he is influencing 
those leaders and those people to follow and obey God. And that's what a spiritual leader does. They influence others to follow and obey God. Look at verse 13. It says, Joshua is speaking, he says, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Verse 16. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we hearken unto Moses in all things, so will we hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. We see clearly Joshua influencing others to follow and obey God. You might be familiar with uh, J. Oswald Sanders' book on spiritual leadership, but he states, Leadership is influence. The ability of one person to influence others to follow his or her lead. That's what leadership is. But if we apply it a little bit further to spiritual leadership, we could say spiritual leadership influences others to follow and obey God. And that's what we're after here this morning, is our life, your life, in the sphere of influence you're in, in the generation God has placed you, influencing other people to follow and obey God. What a responsibility. What an opportunity. You know, a spiritual leader has a purpose about their life. You know, you need to have a purpose for your life. You need to see and envision your life and in that purpose that God has given you as a spiritual leader, to influence other people's lives. And I know the heartbeat of this school, and that's really the desire, is influencing and impacting others around us. And Joshua had a purpose. He never lost sight of what God had called him to do, to go in, to take Israel into that land that God had promised. He never lost sight of that purpose. You know, a leader is concerned about leading and influencing others to follow God. Not himself, not selfish motives, but about influencing others to follow God. You know, in our day and age that we live in, there is a very real temptation and can be for leaders to use their position for selfish causes or goals. And that's part of our human nature, to, to use our, uh, our position or whatever, to use it for our good, to manipulate things for our cause. But you know, a spiritual leader isn't focused on himself. And Joshua, you never get the sense that it was all about him. No, he was leading Israel for a purpose, for God's cause, to accomplish something for the Lord. You know, it's not about, uh, I want people to see me. Oh, it's not about, oh, I want to make a big church. I want to have a big church and everybody know about me. You know, that's not what our purpose ought to be. That's not what a spiritual leader is focused on. There's a very, so that's an important truth to understand here in regards to a spiritual leader. And uh, you know what? It's not always easy to lead people. And I'm sure all of you have had opportunities to be around and lead people. And you know what? It's not always easy leading people. Uh, we're likened to sheep that are like to go our own way, easily stray. And that's the whole reason we need spiritual leaders. 
in our lives and in our sphere of influence, in our generation, because we need people that will steer people in the right direction, that will influence people to follow and obey God. So this spiritual leader, he's influencing others. He has a purpose about his life, and there's a a commitment that he has to God and the truth. You know, I wonder, do you as an individual... Look for opportunities to influence. Do you seek out those opportunities to influence? Do you see your life in that way? Hey, I get, I'm getting up this morning. I need to live for God. I need to do right because I want my life to influence others to follow and obey God. You know, because the opposite is very true. We can have a negative impact. We can negatively influence and lead people. So a spiritual leader, and we see this from Joshua's life, and I wish we had more time to look at examples in his life and throughout the book of Joshua, but he was influencing others to follow and obey God. That's what a spiritual leader does. But we see from the life of Joshua that a spiritual leader, a very important component, is a spiritual leader walks with God. This might be the most important truth. It's the foundation of a spiritual leader. He walks with God. Look at Joshua chapter 3. And you get the sense uh, from Joshua's life, just this, uh, all that he's doing and his uh, obedience to God, it comes, flows out of his walk with the Lord. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. In verse 9, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua was a spiritual leader because he walked with God. He was tuned in to what God wanted and what God was wanting him to do. Joshua's life exhibited a confidence and commitment that, to God that can only come from a walk with God. And this matter is not anything that's foreign to you here at Baptist College of Ministry. And uh, that's a wonderful truth that is emphasized here. But this is reality. If you are going to influence your generation, if you are going to be a spiritual leader for God, you have to walk with God. There has to be a genuine, real, day in, day out, consistent walk with the Lord. And that is going to enable you to be the spiritual leader that you want. A spiritual leader must be in touch with God. It is a spiritual work, a dimension that humanly cannot be obtained. Spiritual leadership, Sanders said again, requires spiritual power, which can never be generated by self. A true leader influences others spiritually only because the Spirit works in and through him. That's a spiritual leader right there. He walks with God. Joshua had a walk with God. And it was evidenced by these facts. He knew God in a personal way. It wasn't just head knowledge. It wasn't just something he'd heard. No, he knew God in a personal way. He had communion. He had fellowship. I absolutely love this verse. Turn with me to Exodus 33. 
and Joshua is along, working alongside Moses. Imagine being his companion, great man of God that he was. But I love this little insight that we see here in Exodus chapter 33 uh, about Joshua. And here Moses is going in to meet with the Lord, and the Lord spake unto Moses, Exodus 33, verse 11, And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. The tabernacle where Moses was meeting with the Lord, where God's presence was. And there's might be reading into it a little bit, but for some reason, Joshua stayed there. He stayed there in God's presence. He knew uh, God in a real way. We, Joshua knew God in a personal way. He Also, we see he received his orders from God. Time after time, jo- God is telling Joshua, okay, this is the next step. This is what you need to do, okay? Now, I want you to go in here and take this people. I want you to go here and rest. Or, he just tells them time and time and gives them a command. And time and time again... Joshua receives his orders from God. He listens. His, his response is, yes, Lord. Now, of course, Joshua is human. I'm sure he failed in their weaknesses. But g- the general pattern of his life is he responded. God told him what to do. And he said, yes, Lord, that's what I'm going to do. And that's a spiritual leader. He's tuned into God. And when God gives him a command, when God shows him something to do, he doesn't care what anything else, anybody else around him says. He doesn't care what the circumstances are. His attitude is, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do that. He received his orders from the Lord. Can you imagine God relaying how to take Jericho? You think in the back of his mind, Joshua ever thought, okay, uh, why are we doing this exactly? Why do you want us to, to march around the city? That doesn't uh, make too much sense. But you know, he obeyed. He received his orders from God. And another thing, and that leads right in, he was committed to obeying God. He didn't question. He didn't try to, to figure something out his own way, his own strength. No, he obeyed God. He was committed to obeying God. You know, there's a real pressure in our generation to fit in, to look around us and see where the wind's blowing and say, okay, well, this is what everybody else is doing. This is what everybody else is saying. And so I'm going to just try to fit in and go along with that. I, I see it all the time. And I'm not too connected with uh, people outside our church and things like that. But I, I get little glimpses here and there. And it just seems to be this pressure and this kind of this uh, yeah, peer pressure and kind of the way everybody's doing it that, okay, everybody's doing this, then I'm going to do it. We need to be committed to be doing what God wants us to do. That's where we need to be getting our orders from and, what, and uh, obeying, not what everybody else around us is doing. And you look at the state of a lot of Christianity today, it's not worth following. There's not much there. And uh, we need to be committed to obeying God. In many ways, I I had a wonderful example of this in my life. And, you know, my dad was not a high-profiled man. He wasn't flashy. He just worked a 
a job as a factory in a factory. But there was something about his life that had an impact on many lives and influence in, in our church and in many people's lives. And I think it really boiled down to this truth right here. He was committed to obeying God. He wanted to do what was right. And you know what? God impact, used his life to impact many people. He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't out and about. And, no, but he was a committed, faithful person to the Lord. And he was committed to doing, obeying God. And, you know, that was a real, had a real impact on my life. Just about being faithful, just doing what God has called you to do, doing it well, and doing it for the Lord, and obeying Him. And I'm so grateful for His example in my life. Many times, He would start work at 5 or 6 in the morning, and uh, in the summer months, or when there was more daylight, He liked to start earlier, because that means He got done earlier, and He would have more daylight to do other things, and um, He had a little side business and stuff that we grew up helping Him do. And, uh, but you know what? Still, every morning, he would get up and meet with the Lord. I remember many times coming down and seeing him on his knees and praying and reading his Bible. And his just consistent walk with the Lord had a very real impact on my life that today still is impacting my life. So this point, I think, is really the bottom line here of being a spiritual leader is our walk with God to truly be a spiritual leader, everything flows out of this point, being a living reality in our life, walking with God. Joshua exhibits, exhibits a spiritual leader walking with God, and it was the key to his success. But I want us to see a third characteristic of his life and of being a spiritual leader. A spiritual leader serves others. The beginning of Joshua and at the end of Joshua and the beginning of Judges, I'm going to read Judges 2 and verse 8. It says, And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, he died. A servant. It doesn't say, my great leader that is going to do great things for me. It uses a humble title. A servant of the Lord. A spiritual leader serves others. I was thinking the other day, a few weeks ago, I, don't know, I was thinking, I think, in the context of another person that is in my, you know, I know, and I thought about their life. It's just consumed with doing their things. They're, don't, they're not in church. They're saved. They're not in church. They're very rarely, they do very little. And I thought, what an empty life. Just consumed with, you know, either making money or doing, going to the next job. or But having no, obviously, spiritual impact. But not involved in serving others and giving their life to serve others. And I just thought, you know what? I don't want my life to just be about myself. I want there to be a dimension of my life where it's about giving myself to serve others. And that's what a spiritual leader does. And there's something very powerful with this humble point of serving others. Doesn't say Moses, even at the beginning of Joshua, it says, a servant of the Lord. Joshua, servant of the Lord. I think when we're young, we can get these aspirations. Oh, I wanna, want people to know about me. I want my name, you know, to... But 
we lose this element. We don't keep this point in focus. It's a servant. A true spiritual leader is a servant for the Lord. Think about Christ. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give His life a ransom for many. That word minister really is the word to serve, to wait upon. And that's what a spiritual leader does. Everything, Joshua would not have been used of God if he was all selfish and wanting to do his plan. No, he was a serving others. That was his focus. There's an attitude of selflessness that has to accompany our life. And we need to start working that into our life. We need to analyze our life. You know, am I a selfless person? Am I willing to give of myself? Am I willing to do the menial tasks? Because that's going to be the key to our influence and spiritual leadership. During the American Revolution, a man in civilian clothes rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defensive barrier. Their leader was shouting instructions but making no attempt to help them. When the rider asked the corporal why he did not help his men, he retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and proceeded to help the exhausted soldiers. When the job was finished, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief, and I will come and help you again. It was none other than George Washington. He served others. What a powerful testimony. But that's what a spiritual leader does. He's concerned about serving others. All right, we're going to move on from this one uh, to our, our fourth characteristic. Another important truth about a spiritual leader is a spiritual leader lives with a mission. Turn to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. Just stay with me. We only have a little bit left here, but I think the end here is where we really want to drive some truths home. Uh, for you young people, and what an, a day and age that we live in. What an opportunity. And Joshua chapter 10 and verse 25, it says, And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. There's that phrase that re-echoes itself throughout the book of Joshua. Be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. There's a broader context that would be uh, great for us to look at. We just don't have the time here today. But the point is, here in the middle of the book, in the middle of uh, going in and conquering the land, Joshua is reminding the people. And you can see he doesn't lose the mission that God has given to him. He lives with a mission. And that's a spiritual leader. He doesn't lose sight of the mission that God has given him. He is unwavering in his mission. And the ter we could maybe use the term cause. Uh, that's one that might be used regularly around here. Uh, is there not a cause? He lives with a cause. He lives with a mission. His life has a purpose. It's going somewhere. He does not waver from this. In Joshua 10 here, as after they fought a number of battles, his focus is still the same. He still has that same mission, uh, unwavering. He's living with that mission. Joshua never lost sight of the mission or cause. He stayed faithful till the end. And we're going to look at that here in a moment. Uh, a summary statement of Joshua's life. It's remarkable. 
But he stayed faithful to the end. Uh, Look at Joshua chapter 24. And a, a very familiar verse, he says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. At the end of that verse, it says, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And look at verse 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And what I see in this verse is Joshua was a spiritual leader that influenced Israel all the days of his life to follow and obey God. But you know what? The generation that came after him, he influenced as well. And we're going to just tie that in a little bit at the very end. We'll see another element of that truth. But wow, what a powerful thing. Truth about his life. He stayed faithful till the end. He didn't waver. He didn't get partway through and said, all right, I'm going to give up on this. Not worth it anymore. I fought long enough. No, he stayed faithful till the end. We won't turn there for sake of time, but it reminded me of the Apostle Paul. When he came to the end of his life, he said, I'm now ready to be offered. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. Wow, that's the testimony that a spiritual leader has in their life. Joshua wanted the next generation to embrace the same mission that he was about. And we're not going to look at these verses. You know, but the pressures are very real in our day. And they're going to intensify as you get out into ministry and into what God has called you. There are going to be very real pressures that you're going to face. And are you going to be the spiritual leader that doesn't lose sight of the mission? The cause. It's not going to compromise. That's not going to give in and say, oh, it's, it's not worth it. Joshua was unwavering. He was also unashamed. Unashamed to follow God and do right. Wow, this is what we need today. Like I said, the pressure is very real. But, hey, we don't need to be ashamed. We need to be confident in the Lord. We need to be committed and know the Word of God and live that way. Not be ashamed. Um, Christians, we need Christians who are unashamed to follow God, to do right, to live holy lives. Those who aren't afraid to say, thus saith the Lord. This is what's truth. This is what's right. And we're going to live that way. Who believe the truth with all their being. Who have convictions in their soul. That mission, that cause needs to be in your soul. In your soul so that when you're outside of these walls and outside of these classrooms, it's still in you. Sorry to say that some in my class... They don't have the cause in them anymore. They've lost the cause. Some that I sat next to, they they don't have the cause in their soul anymore. And it's a tragedy. Their lives are not accomplishing much for the Lord. And uh, we look at the need that we're in, the world we're in. We need people that will embrace the mission, that cause, who will not lose, lose sight of that. Who aren't afraid to fight the culture war. I heard a pastor say, Um, 
a friend of mine that, you know, a lot of pastors as he preaches in churches just have given up on the culture war, trying to, you know, hold the standard on how we dress and on music, on, on marriage. You know, we haven't lost the culture war. We need people that are willing to fight for that, who are willing to preach against worldliness, who are willing to, they are living with the mission in their soul. And that's really what I'm getting here today, is challenging you young people as a, to be spiritual leaders who have the mission in your soul. You know, the next generation needs to embrace the mission. You need to get a vision. We need leaders to rise up who will embrace God's mission and work, who will recognize what they have in the sacred responsibility, and who will embrace it as their own, who will take ownership. You know, each generation needs to take ownership for their generation and the generation to come. You know, don't see your life as insignificant or not being uh, influential. No, you need to see it as directly the opposite. You need to envision your life as really the key to holding it together. As I'm going to be a spiritual leader that holds the truth and that stands for what's right. Do not think you cannot do anything or you cannot make a difference. You know, live with the mission. Live with that cause in your soul. There is a fifth one I'm just going to mention in passing about a spiritual leader lives with a mission which enables him to be decisive about doing right. And a spiritual leader, fifth thing here, is decisive about doing right. There was no hesitation in Joshua's life. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There was no hesitation. He was decisive about doing right. And you know what? That needs to start right here in these days. It's not going to start all of a sudden when you get out of ministry. Now, right now, you need to be decisive about doing what's right. Just want to give a few concluding thoughts that hopefully will pull this together. You know, think of how one man, again, Joshua, influenced the world. It took one person. Certainly, God could have used another person, but Joshua rose to the occasion. And it was a spiritual leader. Spiritual leadership is needed in every generation. I, I want to conclude with this verse. Look at Judges chapter 1. It just struck me as I studied through Joshua and then how it bleeds into Judges. It says, Judges chapter 1. Now, after the death of Joshua. Okay, so Joshua is passed off the scene. In chapter 2, in verse 7, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders and outlived Josh, that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance. And skipping down to verse 10, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them. There's a generation coming after you. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. To me, that's a very sad reality, a tragedy. The generation after him. Every generation needs to see and experience God's power and work. And 
in light of that, that mission needs to be in their soul, burned into their soul. And by the grace of God, you can be a spiritual leader this generation needs. And that's really my challenge here today, to see yourself as the spiritual leader for this generation. Don't think somebody else is going to do it. No, see the part, the influence, the integral part that your life as an individual has in this generation, in your generation. Really want to call this generation to be spiritual leaders for God. Your generation needs you to be strong for God, to overcome the difficulties, to face the battles, the challenges. But like Joshua, to be a spiritual leader who doesn't waver, who's not ashamed, who lives with that mission in his soul. You know what? Each one of us can do that with God's help. We can be the spiritual leaders right now in our class, in our school, in our church, our class Sunday school table, in our generation. And I want you to see your life with that perspective. You can be a spiritual leader that influences others to follow and obey God and who makes a difference in this generation for the Lord. Let's pray.